Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth. We just sit down with Pastor Stephen as he discusses his sermon from Highland Park Baptist Church, and we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. And we ask you to go ahead and, and click that subscribe button, click that like or the follow button. And then again, we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. So keep listening as Pastor Stephen discusses his weekly sermon. Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the podcast room with Pastor Stephen talking about church unity today. So how you doing, Pastor Stephen? Did you have a good Sunday? Good weekend? <laughs> doing great. Had, yeah. a, had a fantastic Sunday. That's good. Want to go ahead right now and give a, uh, a sponsorless sponsor <laughs> shout out to Keith Irwin, the Irwin family. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. Keith, Keith last week was still, quote, he was quoting me. He still listens? Yeah, he's every week, every week. Well, so uh, They need to come back. We need to get the Irwins back. All our listeners, man, you need to go to... Uh, where would they listen to the Irwins? Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Go to Spotify or the Irwin family. You'll 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 be blessed. Good looking family, and then uh, you got Keith. That's part of. It. And uh, but they love Jesus, <laughs> and they right, can man. sing, and they uh, sing really good, really good. So I, just I, a just a shout out to him if he wants to send us their new CD. Wait, do they still sell CDs? Uh, Maybe I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I if mean, he you wants can to download send, some stuff, send me an iTunes gift card. I will go ahead and download their music. <laughs> and uh, maybe when they're here, we can put them on a podcast. I would love to have Keith Irwin on the podcast. You know, he's a Texas Longhorns fan. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he's he grown real quiet when it comes to the Texas <laughs> Longhorns football team. Um, yeah. But anyway, he could he could be a cane from Miami. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Hey, I heard, I heard, I heard uh, yeah, I, I saw something the other day that it went something like this. Uh, if you're looking to uh, uh, escape the hurricane, if you want to go somewhere where they know how to handle hurricanes, go to Middle Tennessee. They, they'll they'll figure it out up there. They laid it on the canes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you you're finally getting a chance to talk about your Tennessee Volunteers too. I want to I want to proceed carefully. Now I feel real good this week. I, I feel like we'll still remain undefeated this week. Uh, but uh, in two weeks, when we have to play another game. And uh, we go down to Baton Rouge. I'm I'm always a little concerned. I'm always a little concerned. Well, of course, they that. beat them. So yeah, yeah, but they didn't play them at Baton Rouge. Mm. They played them in New Orleans, didn't they? I don't know where they played. Yeah. I don't really keep up a whole lot with college football. But I got a great transition for Unity. So can people on opposite ends of conferences, whether it's I don't even know what the conferences are, SEC, ACC, and Whatever. So, are those two of them? Is that right? <laughs> that's two of them. I got two, yeah. two of them right. Yeah, so, can right talking about church unity, can Gator fans and Florida fans or, or FSU fans, can they, can they be unified in a church and still worship Jesus and love each other and all those things? Is that, <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> yeah, it's possible. It's not probable. Uh, but it is, uh, it, is, it is possible. And I know one of the things that we were studying this past Sunday in Romans chapter 15 is uh, some of the foolish things that we allow to divide us within the church. Right. And um, we know that, uh, yeah, there, there, there are things in this world that we get excited about and their preferences and likes and dislikes and all those various kinds of things. But, but as the body of Christ, we, we've, we've been called to... Uh, I, I don't. I'm not going to say set those things aside. No, you can still you can still have those things and embrace those things, but they come secondary to being one 
under the banner of Jesus Christ. We're not going to allow any of those things to disrupt the fellowship that we have trying to win the world to Jesus. Yeah, that's a true. Um, so we're talking about the beauty of unity, and you were in Romans chapter 15, and you start talking about the principles of unity. You talk about how there is the, the principles of unity are surprisingly diverse, and it starts with God, talking about how unity matters. We must have unity in the church. Um, so it, it's a big deal in Scripture, right? It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's uh, that's one of the reasons, or that's one of the ways that folks that are not a part of the church, and we would even say folks that are a lost and don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, one of the ways that they'll be drawn to us is by the way that we love each other, and by the way that we're unified as a body of Christ. When you stop and you, and we'll just talk about our church. I even told the church Sunday, just just look around, man. Look down the aisle. Look at all the varieties of people in this room from skin color to faces to uh clothing to everything in the world just so different to different biblical translations that you're carrying whatever the case may be and you look at that and you realize that this is the body of christ i think i think a lot of times we forget how how diverse heaven is going to be Mm, yeah that yeah uh, yeah, no, it's only going to people be people who look like me and think like me, and no, no, it's only going to be people who who know Jesus like you. Yeah, how about that? Um, it's 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 setting aside uh, all your own personal preferences. But again, I would sit there and say that's how God chooses. That's how God chooses to do it uh, with the variety, uh, with um, the uniqueness. The, the the DNA that we have, that God is that God of variety, and I'm so thankful that he is. It's not just a situation that we're these cookie-cutter Christians, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. Where did the term cookie-cutter Christians come from? I mean, is it— I didn't learn that one in seminary. Yeah. I don't know. Cookie-cutter, I guess the cookie-cutter, those cookie-cutters are made in such a way to where you can— press them down in the cookie dough and the cookies will all look the same, right? Cookie cutter Christians. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we all look the same. And there are folks out there that would say, well, if they don't think the way that I think about this non-essential, then they're not going to say it that way. Correct. Correct. Because in their mind, it's going to be an essential. Right. right. <laughs> and, and we've been studying about eating meat offered to idols and uh, various things like that, or what day of the week that you worship on, or if you keep the Sabbath rules or what, you know, it would have been very big to those people in that context in that day and time. So it gets a little lost on us. But uh, Paul's sitting there saying, these are non-essential things. To those folks, they were majorly essential things. And Paul's like, you know, you're allowing things to divide you that really should not divide you. And so a lot of times folks will sit there and they'll say, well, if they don't believe what I believe about this, quote, non-essential issue, then they're not right with God. Mm. That's not that. There's only one thing that makes someone not right with God. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. Okay. Well, they don't feel the way that I feel about this. <laughs> then they I'll don't have a them. relationship with Jesus. Well, I would say no. The only thing that doesn't, <laughs> the only the only thing that causes them not to have a relationship with Jesus is they don't have faith and trust in Him. He's not Lord of their life. I'm just saying, Ryan. Some of the things that we allow to become so important to us, and please hear this. I am I am the chief among all. I am very, very legalistic. 
Uh, and uh, well, you that, said it before. You're a recovering. Leader, yeah, recovering. So. Depending on what day, you would think <laughs> whether I'm recovering or not, right? But there are issues that are secondary issues yeah. that I want to make a yeah. litmus test to whether they're a part of the family yeah. of God or not, and that the, that's just not the case. It's just not the case. So when we look around, my goodness, it's so diverse. It's so diverse when it comes to the body of Christ. And here's what I would say as well. Jesus Christ died for the world. Yeah. He didn't die for one particular culture group. He didn't die for one particular skin color. He didn't die for one particular denomination. He, he no, he, he for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so I think I think I think that the way that we unite with brothers and sisters in Christ, it ought to be the very same way that we're going to see that unification within the body of Christ when yeah. we are finally home in heaven. Yeah. Uh, that we're not going to be segmented or divided there. So you talked a lot about, uh, again, you know, this sermon is, is talking about unity and the different aspects of it, what it looks like, why we should do this, the importance of it. Um, and you talk about this promotion of unity but how how do we maintain it in the, in the current culture of the church in the current culture of you know being 2022 and just the things that we have going on the way the country is the stuff that's happening how do we maintain unity among believers among the church how do, how do we maintain it well, the very same way that it, it was happening here in the first century church i got to set aside selfishness I've got to set aside uh, my desires, my likes, uh, my wishes, all those kinds of things. And instead, I'm going to seek not to bring, uh, not to please myself, but instead I'm going to seek to please others. But we don't like to hear that. Well, no, we don't like to hear that, but that's how we maintain unity. Now, uh, one of the points that was was talked about is sometimes there are folks that will say, all right, we got to all... Man, we got to come together because we got to we got to create unity here. Unity is not something that can be created by man. Unity is something that only comes from God. You say, well, how can that statement be made? Because the only way that unity is going to even begin is it's going to take a change on the inside of our hearts that can only be facilitated by a life that is surrendered mm, to the lordship yeah, of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So God's the one who creates. Yeah. He starts right, and all we can do is either maintain it or we can. Uh, we can kill it, <laughs> yeah. or we can disrupt it, but it comes from God. So let us approach unity as a gift that has come from God. Unity is not, okay, we're all together. Unity is, I'm setting aside me for you. Mm. And in the context of this scripture, he's talking mm. about maturing Christians, setting aside non-essentials for weaker younger christians and so uh it it all boils down to that i'm going to die to flesh yeah it's not about me it's not about me it's not about me um it's it's all about jesus it's all about what he wants to accomplish it's crazy that that i mean you even see this with the pharisees and Mm -hmm. even the sadducees and the reason why they would go at it like this all the time I truly believe 
in their heart, in their mind, they believed that what they were doing was truly in the best interest of the kingdom of God. But their minds had become so blinded by their own works that they forgot, or maybe they never even knew what the kingdom of God was truly about. All right, so do you think that that still happens today? And, and, I, and I know we've talked about you know, the, the non-essentials and how that has sometimes caused some frustrations, caused some tension, um, even caused some damage in the church. But um, you, you started to talk yesterday about the current Christians in this and this idea of their lack of unity among current Christians, but why is it so difficult then? Why is it difficult for the church sometimes to have unity? And you got you got passionate about it yesterday. You started to, you know, you got a little fired up, you know, talking about the church and just some of the things. Like, well, we forget why? our we forget our mission. Mm, yeah. What is our mission? Yeah. I mean, we have a we have a crafty little mission statement around here, like most right. modern day churches. Uh, you know, ours. I've heard other churches have this. This is something that we had in place before I ever came here. It's very, very simple. It's it's catchy. You know, love God, love people, tell the story. But what is the mission of the church? Make much of Jesus. Yeah. We, we've yeah. talked about it in here. If the whole goal in the salvation process is to get you to heaven, then it's like you get saved, then God's like, boom, you're dead. Come to heaven. No, that's not the whole goal. The whole goal is that now he wants to transform you because God has preordained the gospel message going forth through his children, through his followers. And so... I think the reason why unity is so hard in the church is because there are so many that are uh, that proclaim to be a part of the church. <laughs> they forsake the mission, yeah, mm. for for their territory, mm. yeah, for their own little personal pet project, yeah, for their own personal desires. It's 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 shameful some of the things that i have heard said in 30 plus years of ministry that people uh are genuinely saying this is the way it should be because this is the way i want it to be and i've got to be right yeah but mm. no no if if i me and my if that's a part of your vocabulary then that shows a pretty good indication your driving force is not, hey, I want the world to know Jesus no matter what the cost. I want the world to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if it's not that, then you are sacrificing what the mission of the church is to begin with. The mission of the church is not to create this comfortable environment yeah. for us to study the Bible. Wow. The mission of the church is not so we can have a good, entertaining service. The mission of the church is not for me to create this country club or this private school for my kids or to create this utopia where I can be with like-minded people and we can just all sit around in our underwear singing Kumbaya <laughs> until Jesus comes back. Oh. oh, goodness. That would be a scary moment. Well, that's not the mission of the church. Right. But, I mean, my goodness, when we sit there and we examine the things. Yeah. That people get so upset about. Yeah. And uh, and that's where my passion is. Man, if we're going to get upset about something, right. let's get upset about the fact that yeah. 
what, 60 to 70% of the people who live in Bay County, Florida, where yeah. we live, don't know Jesus and are unchurched. I mean, if we're going to get upset about something, yeah. let's not get upset about, you know, man, uh, the pork chops at Wednesday night supper, mine was burnt. Yeah. Oh, oh, is that going to matter 10,000 years from now? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to get upset about something, how about get upset about not the fact that your neighbor parks his car in front of your house, and by the way, that ticks me off when that happens. <laughs> but, oh, God, may my heart be so yeah. upset and broken yeah. and moved over the fact that if he were to die today, he's going to hell. Mm. And I'll say this, Ryan, we, we, we've, we've, we've discussed this or we've touched on it a little bit over, over our study of the book of Romans. As the church, we've done a terrible job. Yeah. Because, listen— we want to market comfortableness. Mm. We want to market feel-goodism instead of a call to sacrifice. A call to being a bondservant. Yeah. When you understand what the term bondservant means in the Bible, and that's what Christ has called us to, right? You understand bondservant. Right. You're just like, oh my goodness. Man, what he is calling me to is he's calling me to radical. I don't even like to use the word discipleship because people have even got that so wrong. Oh man, I just want to be, I want to have discipleship. I want discipleship. Discipleship for so many means I want to go and I want to sit in a room and for four hours, let's discuss scripture and let's just talk about how that makes me feel. And let's just talk about the intricacies intricacies yeah. of it. And if my, my teacher knows the original Greek and Hebrew, that's even going to be a lot better. <laughs> and, and please hear me. There's nothing wrong with those things. But don't let discipleship be something that moves you. The whole purpose of discipleship is to bring about evangelism, right. life change, and um, I would say ambassadorship. I don't even know if that's a word or not, but I'm an ambassador for the kingdom of Christ. What is the kingdom of Christ? Jesus saved me. He'll save yeah. you. Yeah. I'm broken. Yeah. I'm broken. You know, if if I were a singer, in which you know I'll sing in sermons every now and yeah, then, yeah, you do, and I'll be reminded that I'm not a singer. <laughs> Who reminds you? Do people come up to you afterwards and say, "Hey, you don't need to sing," or do they tell you you did a good job? I, yeah, I'll get some sweet little old ladies, and they'll say, <laughs> "Oh, preacher, that was so good." And, but our producer will be like, "When are you gonna quit singing in sermons?" Yeah. Um, well, he sends me that text every uh, time uh, you do. He's like, I "Man, this it. guy will not stop singing." I know it. I know it. But you know, singers, singers. Singers can approach it in one of two ways. Those those that are using their 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 talent for the Lord. Um, oh man, man, we nailed it tonight. What a great show tonight. Oh, we sold. Look at all these CDs we sold tonight. Look, I mean, I know they don't sell CDs anymore, but whatever. You know, look at look at look at uh look at where we are on the charts and look, we've been we've received this award and that award. And and please hear me, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Everything you do ought to be done to excellence. But instead, man. Jesus, take the the gospel message through song and pierce somebody's heart. Draw somebody to you. Um, man, my prayer has always been, hey, God, the moment I lose my fire for evangelism, don't just remove me from the pulpit. Go ahead and take me home. Yeah. Mm. Because I'm 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 I, I'm truly, I'm truly uh uh, I, I've I've lost my um, uh, I've lost my place 
uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm out of balance here when, when all of a sudden uh, there's no evangelistic fire. And so we're going back to your original question that I've taken 15 minutes to not answer. Perfect. Why do we not see or why do we see the lack of unity in church today? Because I think the church as a whole, and we can even throw in the pastors and the leaders as a whole, I think we don't understand what is the true mission of the church. Well, and you even say it, you know, that this this idea of self-centeredness is a problem. Um, and I think you're right. Like we, I think maybe there's moments, there's moments of greatness where, yes, we are on fire and we are talking to people about Jesus, but then also there are times when we allow that self-centeredness to kind of take over and we kind of draw back and our focus becomes something else. Our focus becomes on the machine of ministry rather than, uh, the evangelistic purpose of why we're here. Um, and you even said, you know, I like the quote that you said, and I don't know where you got it. You may have came up with it, but the greatest enemy of unity is selfishness. Um, so again, I, I, I like the way you answered that. I think it's good for people to hear. I think it, it, it's okay. Does the, uh, and, and I'll ask this question, you know, when, when you talk about this whole idea of, you know, we've lost our mission and we need to understand, what it means to be a bond servant. Does that cause some tension, like even in your own heart as a pastor? Does that does that cause you to think or kind of do some self-reflection or cause you to kind of check yourself for a second and go, okay, let me let me make sure I'm doing what God's called, called me to do? Oh yeah, I mean, it must. Okay. It has to. Because again, I'm in the flesh. And there's going to be this constant battle, um, and that's the reason why uh, this is in this daily pursuit, mm. man. I'm drawing close yeah. to Christ, right? I'm not, um, I'm not drawing close to Him so I can possibly receive something. I'm not drawing close to Him so my life will be better for me. I'm not drawing close to Him so uh, He might love me more, or you know, you fill in the blank. No, that no. I'm drawing close to him because I know that I have to die yeah. to this flesh on yeah. a daily basis because if I don't die to this flesh, then I'm going to get drawn back into the temporal. And and the moment that you come to know Christ as your Lord, you have to understand it is now much more than the temporal. We're mm. talking about the yeah. eternal. Yeah, yeah. And so I've got to put on those glasses of eternity yeah. and the simple question that you've heard preacher after preacher yeah. say is thousand years from now, 10,000 years, from now, a million years from now, is this going to matter? Mm. Well, what you've done with Jesus will, what you've done with Jesus will. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's mm. a struggle. It's a struggle on a daily basis. I would say it's a struggle sometimes on an hourly basis. <laughs> um, and so, uh, that's the reason why it's, it's important for me to fall more in love with him and to submit myself to the truth of his word. Um, so with that, what's the, what's the source of our unity? What's the basis of unity for us? What's the Bible and, and the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Uh, but I would, say, I would say that source of authority of the Bible so what what are the non-negotiables in which you, if you're if you're curious about that and you're listening I I, I did a whole sermon series yeah, I did. think it may even be online or through our Vimeo channel or whatever the case may be uh, I think we still have mm-hmm. a Vimeo channel um, but uh, you can go and and we dealt with a whole 
whole list of what were non-negotiables. Now this is this this will show you how how uh, we function as humans. What I started out with, all right, this will be about six weeks of non-negotiables. It ended up being sixteen weeks of non-negotiables, and yeah. uh, I, it could be yeah. arguable. You know, you could argue whether it was truly all of those were non-negotiables or not. So, what is the non-negotiable? What does God's word say? And that's what Paul's been talking about. There are some things that are very clear. They're very black and white. They require no interpretation that the God's word says. For instance, we know salvation is through faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We know there's only one way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. So if somebody comes along and says, well, you know, I've been reading the Bible and that's kind of your interpretation that Jesus is the only way. I you know, I think there might be another way or I think it's Jesus plus something else in which in the context of Romans they were sitting there saying, "Well, yeah, it's Jesus and don't eat that idol meat." Yeah. Or it's Jesus and keep the Sabbath laws. <laughs> and and Paul's saying, "No, it's Jesus period." Yeah. It's Jesus period. So so what is the source of my authority? It's God's word. So if you sit there and say, no, it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus and, then I'm going to sit there and say, hey, listen, man, we don't have fellowship when it comes to that. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I say, to heck with you, you're going to hell, and I'm happy about it. Yeah. In which I've been in some situations mm-hmm. before where I felt like people were excited that people were dying and going to hell. You know, and and you mentioned that in the sermon the other day, and and I was thinking about a time, you know, I used to work in corporate world. And this was around the time that um, I don't even know if I can say this on on the podcast, but when we ben, got a, we got a beeper. That's right. When Bin Laden was uh, taken out by our military, there were some folks in my office that were rejoicing because this dude had died, and uh, they looked at me and said, "Why are you not so happy that this guy's gone?" And I was like, "Well, it's it's not that I'm." Well, the reality of it is, I said, he's never going to have a chance to hear the gospel anymore. And like, and it, it, so even though that was a major event, and I'm not close to Bin Laden, right? Like, I don't know anything, but like, it, it caused me to think for a second that this, he would never have the chance to hear the gospel again. And that, and that broke my heart in that moment. And, and again, I had nothing to do with military. I had nothing to do with the whole situation, but just in that, there were people celebrating, and it just it hurt for a second that he would never hear the gospel again. Yeah, the uh, well, and, and again, we don't we don't rejoice over the fact that there are people that are dying and going to hell. If anything, it should it should motivate us. If anything, it should our heart should be broken over the fact, and. Um, and that should be a key piece of, yeah. of, of how we approach our unity. Well, we want to be unified. What, what is the unity that we, we, we're, we're under, or how do, we, how do we bring that unity together? Well, we're going to be unified under the fact that salvation is through Jesus and Jesus alone, and uh, we need to take the gospel to the world. So let's set, us, set aside our differences. Uh, let's set aside our likes, our dislikes, and instead let's make much of Jesus um, and if there's anything that we're going to get upset about, let's get upset about the fact that there could possibly be somebody within a stone's throw of our house or a stone's throw of the church that if they were to die, they'd go to hell. Yeah. So how important is it for us as a church to pray for unity? Is that a, is, is that a big deal? Oh, absolutely. I know I'm, I know I'm softballing questions to you, <laughs> but 
Don't kick me off the podcast. Well, I mean, in our text, in verse 5, Paul goes into prayer mode. Now, it doesn't say in the text, and Paul prayed this. Now, understand, Paul's writing this. Paul's writing this. So, clearly in verse 5, when he says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. You know, he's, he's, he's saying, hey, this is, this is what I'm asking God to do. I'm asking God. Uh, and I love the fact, the God of patience and comfort. Yeah. Man, thank God he is a God of patience. Um, but uh, may, he, may he give you the ability, grant you to be like-minded according to Christ Jesus. Absolutely. We should pray for unity. And we shouldn't wait until we find ourselves needing unity to pray for unity. Yeah. Uh, I may have used this illustration before, how foolish it would be. If a high school team's getting whipped hmm. in the first half, hmm. uh, the offensive line by the defensive line, they're just getting whipped, manhandled, pushed around, and all of a sudden they go into the locker room at halftime and the coach says, what? All right, here's what we're going to do, guys. We've got 20 minutes before the second half. Get in the weight room. We're going to start lifting. we got to get stronger. Well, how foolish would that be? I mean, right. it would be counterproductive, right? No. When do you prepare to fight or to battle against a defensive line that's bigger and stronger? I would say in the hot days of summer, in the weight room, months and months before that time, you prepare, you get ready, you get stronger. So the same way. You don't wait as a church to pray for unity when you when you find division. Now the the I guess the the case could be argued that that is consistent. That we're always facing division. Yeah. Because we're always I mean, the church is made of people that are still living in flesh. Yeah. And so there's always the capability of division. Uh, whether you argue that or, well, I mean, I would, I don't think there's an art, there's always the capability there, but whether you say the church is always divided or is not divided, I mean, whatever the case may be, clearly we should pray for that. We should follow the example of Paul and stop and think now. Let's put this in the proper context. Where is he when he's writing this? Mm. Prison. Yeah. Chained. Yeah. Uh, death's coming. <laughs> and instead, he's like, hey, can I tell you what my prayers have been? Man, I'm praying God gives you unity. Yeah. Pray you're like-minded towards one another. Uh, why do you think Paul would bring that up? Paul had been around churches. Yeah. Paul knew that there's a tendency for division to occur. So I would say this to everyone that listens to us, you know, the church that you're a part of, big church, little church, whatever the case may be, uh, Baptist church, non-denominational church, Assembly of God church. I mean, I don't know. As long as you believe salvation is through Jesus and Jesus right, alone, we right. can break bread together, okay? Right, right. But whatever church that you're a part of, and let me just say this, if you're not a part of a local church, I'll take you over to Hebrews, and I believe that you're out of the will of God. Yeah. I'm not casting stones at you. I'm just being truthful. So we all agree we should be a part of a local church. So uh, what do I do? I pray for unity. And can I, can I tell you what I found? I found whatever the subject is of my prayers, all of a sudden when I am the one that is ready to bring about disunity and division, the Holy Spirit of God is like, wow, you know what you've been praying for, right? <laughs> right. right? But that prayer will shape my heart. 
That prayer will change me that when the flesh is saying, oh, look at what you deserve and look at how they're behaving and, you know, um, you're a big giver and then you go up there and all of a sudden they're out of, of coffee in the coffee bar and you're a big giver. They should have saved you a cup of coffee or, or how come you can't get the prime parking spots because you give a lot. And I have always found it to be in context that people who brag about how much they give usually probably aren't the ones who are right. doing that. But, <laughs> um, but no, I'm going to set yeah. that aside because my prayers have been what? Hey, God, bring unity to your church, unity to your church. So my prayers are that way. So the next time the flesh rises up, you sit there and you say, hey, 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 flesh, calm down. Shut up. Uh, we're, 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 to, we're to be like-minded in the church. And that starts with me. Yeah, I was I was reading something about prayer today, and it's like it's one of the easiest things we can do because we really we don't even have to get out of bed to pray. Like we don't have to go anywhere, we don't even have to get dressed, we don't have to talk to anybody other than God. Like it's one of the easiest things that we can do, and just adding that to the adding that to our prayer is probably a powerful thing. Well, easiest thing, but most powerful thing. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever done this? I've been guilty of saying this. Um, hey, uh, I'll be praying for you, but really, no. What, what can I do? Yeah. Wait, come on now. Tell me, tell me what I can do. I mean, I'm going to be praying for you, but what? No, no, no. I mean, again, we should we should seek to do whatever we can. Yeah. But please hear me. According to God's word, prayer is the greatest thing that you can do. And I don't get how prayer works. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. We serve a sovereign God, right, right? right? We serve a God that never changes his mind. Now, we do serve a God that relents on his His uh, His judgment coming down. We see that in the Bible, and he, right. he relented because of the faithful prayers of his people. But we would sit here and say, well, the very fact that he relented, the very fact that we would say he changed his mind, well, he, that was all part of his plan to begin with. So he really yeah, didn't yeah. change his right. mind. He relented because he was going to relent, and he right. was because he knew his people <laughs> would be praying. And, yeah, yeah. and it makes you yeah. lose your ever-loving yeah, yeah, yeah. mind. Yeah. But let's. here's what we all know. God has already chosen to work through the faithful prayers yeah, yeah. of his people. That I would say there are some things that do not happen because of the lack of the faithful prayers of his people. And there are some things that could not, you know, that, uh, that could happen that we're not praying about. Yeah. I don't get it. Makes no sense to right, me. Right. I can't understand it. Right, and I, I haven't really been guilty of the thing you just said, where I'm like, "Hey, I'll pray for you," but but what can I really do for you? I haven't been guilty of that. I have been guilty of going, you know, "Yeah, I'll pray for you" as a common response, right? As a common response, like, "Hey, this conversation's over. I'll pray for you now." Yeah, yeah. Move and on. then you know, there have been times that I have forgotten. So now I try to be very careful. You know, whenever I say that to someone, I stop right then and there and and go ahead and do that because I don't want to. I don't want to lie to them. Um, all right, so we're we're moving through this, and one of your last points uh, is, you know, in this whole promotion of unity, you talk about even singing praises to God together. Uh, can you can you discuss that for a second? Because you you kind of drew in unity and church attendance all under this same point of singing and church attendance as far as unity together well i mean in verse six that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the god and father of our lord <laughs> jesus simple, christ right? <laughs> Pretty uh, self-explanatory yeah so here we are unified glorifying him with one mouth again maybe i'm maybe i'm just trying to simplify this thing too much i think but simple I'm like, is good 
Well, I'm like, when, when do we come together as one mouth? Well, I mean, that would be when, when we gather together to praise his name. I mean, uh, clearly Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the yeah. assembling of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, especially you should even gather together even more as you see the day, the day being, uh, I, I believe, in the eschatological calendar. Uh, which would be the rapture of the church. I think that's what's going to happen next. But you may disagree with me on that. But what is the day? You could, I mean, you could say the day, the day that you know Christ returns, or the day that the great white throne, whatever the case may be. But it's not. It's not the more or the longer the earth is here. That we should say, okay, it's not that important for us to gather together. Gather together as it was for the New Testament church. And he's like, no, 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 no. no. It's even more important. More important now. And I know some are going to say it's not that important. And, 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 you know, Hebrews, I, 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 I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Some would disagree over that. Some would say we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some, uh, some would say, uh, I had somebody the other day say Luke wrote Hebrews. I'm like, Luke? Where you get Luke? Um, you know, I, I'm surprised God even let him write two books. Uh, but uh, who, whoever wrote Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, makes it clear. Man, gather together; it's important. Yeah. Gather together. So, so we kind of couple what Paul wrote in Hebrews with what Paul wrote right here. And hey. When you come together with one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know you glorify him with your mouth outside of the context of singing and worship. And I mean, even the way that we use our mouths, we can speak life into someone or we can we can speak pain and suffering and death into someone. But I choose to fo- I chose to focus on that. All right, we're coming together with one mouth as the church and we're going to glorify him together. I think you would admit, my goodness, there's just something about the body of Christ singing praises yeah, to him. for sure. Just something about it. I've been in little churches. I've been in big churches. Something about the body of Christ coming together and singing praises to him. Um, now, I've been in some some churches or I've been in some buildings that had church on the sign outside. And uh, they, uh, you're like, well, I don't know what's going on in here. But yeah. there, there's no glorifying with one mouth that's happening yeah. in this place. And that's sad. Probably a unity problem. I would assume that's a great, well, that's a great comment. It was a unity problem because they'd forgotten what their mission was. Uh, hey, guys, let me just say this. If, if nothing wrong with small churches, please hear me. I pastored small churches. I'm, I'm very familiar with small churches. But if the goal and the mission of a small church is to remain small, then why don't you just call yourself what you are? You're, you're a club. But 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 you're not with one mind and one mouth glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The goal of of a church should never be small. Now I'm not saying that small churches aren't doing things for God. No no no. They I know small churches that'll plant other churches. I know right. small churches that send people out. And uh, my goodness, we we uh, we've got a church plant and um, that we started four weeks ago, and uh, they're already talking to me about wanting to plant out of the plant. Wow. Uh, <laughs> four weeks. How's that happen? I'm like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Uh, but the goal is not, I want to stay small. The goal is not, I want to keep my turf. The goal is not, we want to do it this way. No, the goal is, 
We want to exalt Jesus, glorify Jesus, and we want our singing to be reflective of what's taking place on the inside of our hearts. I, I got a great question. Maybe I should ask this to the church. So if someone, if the only opportunity or the only way that they could be drawn to the gospel of Jesus Christ is by standing next to you in a worship service and merely watching you and listening to you in your worship, would they be drawn or would they be pushed away? Mm. Yeah, that's deep. Well, somebody would say chapter and verse. Oh, no, 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 no chapter and verse on this. I'm just, I, I just a what if, yeah. what if. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, was it was it Benny? We've we've had some some of my buddies, some of my uh, heroes of the faith that have come and they've they've preached over the last several weeks. I can't remember if it were. It may have been Doctor Vines. Uh, goodness, uh, just. You ever thought you would pastor church where you had Doctor Vines come in? Really? And preach for you? No, he called. He called me today. He called me today. Yeah. 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 Dr. Stephen. He wants to come back, doesn't he? When am I coming back? Yep. Um, yeah. If I live close to your church, I'd be a member of your church. And uh, I'm like, well, I mean, we got some builders in our church. <laughs> right, you know, we build right. you a house over here. Right, right. Oh, golly. But anyway, either him or Benny or some, one of them, one of them I, I want to say they made the comment, and you guys correct me, basically something along these lines. You see twice as many scriptures in the Bible that talk about the way you worship versus the way you work. You might have been in an Alaska journey. That might have been where you were, filming alone. Our producer was in Alaska for about 10 days, and he was, uh, uh, he was filming the show alone. <laughs> I look forward to that when it comes out. By the way, he made it 10 days. 10 days. Man, that's a that's the same number he was in Alaska. Yeah, the um, but here was the point that was being made. Yeah. Your work flows out of your worship. Yeah, for sure. Both of them are equally important. But he was saying the heart that will not worship, <laughs> it's probably a heart that's not yeah. gonna work. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, sing praises to God together, man. There's more power in this place when we gather together and we yeah. exalt the name of Jesus Christ. There are times, there are times that I just can't stand it. I'm like, my goodness, this is not. I mean, heaven is going to be so much more than this. If I can't stand it here, right. I don't know how I'm going to stand it in heaven. Then yeah. the Holy Spirit reminds me, and that's the reason why you're not going to be in this fleshly body in heaven. It's going to be the glorified one. I'm like, okay, we're good. The glorified body can handle it because it's fleshly. Fleshly body's yeah. not going to be able to handle it. Um, and I would say this: uh, that brings unity. Yeah. And yet here we are as fleshly people. We want to fight over our worship versus being unified in our worship. Mm. Let us focus on the subject of our worship and not the beat and not the style. Yeah. Well, listeners, you've heard it from Pastor Stephen. May we never forget our mission to make much of Jesus. And in that, unity will happen. Pastor Stephen, thank you for all you do. Thank you for leading us to Jesus. Thank you for pointing to the cross every time. So if you're listening, keep listening to The Unchangeable Truth, and we'll see you next week. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida, and we would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, 
www.highland and it's h i l a n d park.org there you'll learn more about what we believe what we teach about the gospel of Jesus Christ there'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years as always we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ so feel free shoot us an email info at highlandpark.org if you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him our prayers are that you would near to Christ that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk in grace. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.